0: to Cyprus so God help the Cypriots and uh, they'll be back with us next week. I'm mindful that we are entering holiday season wit season is a very busy time and so if you are due to be going away may God bless you and um, if you're not going away make sure you're just here and part of the life of the church. Just before I share something you must understand something which is really important for us all to understand. We look on the natural but God always looks far beyond where we're looking. What I mean by that is, I thank God for the journey of Arena Church, and we give God thanks and praise for this building. We thank Him for the people. We thank Him where we've come from to where we are today. But we must never settle where we are today. We must never settle where we are today, because, you know, see, we we think of, um, you know, a few hundred people would be just awesome to gather as a church in Mansfield, and Oh, Mansfield would sit up and take notice. No, they wouldn't. No, they wouldn't. Mansfield isn't going to sit up and take notice around a few hundred people. A few thousand people. Then Mansfield might start to think, Oh, I wonder what's going on in those churches. And you see, very often we just settle. We, we, we just allow the British culture to just keep us restricted and limited. And I believe in this time, God is wanting to take us further. He's wanting to stretch our horizons. He's wanting us to see something bigger and greater. And this isn't just a man talking, spouting off. I really believe this in my heart, that God's wanting so much more for us. And actually, God isn't the issue. We are the issue. We restrict what God wants to do. And so I want to encourage you in this time to really press into all that God has for you. Over the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at... Um, a subject called fasting for change. Now you're going to feel incredibly hungry as I talk about this because it's just bound to happen. The other thing is some people are going to want to dash out of this building thinking I don't want any part of this. I like the worship. I quite like the announcements. I didn't even mind the offering but I'm not into this fasting deal. Well, please just stay with me for the next half an hour and I really believe that the Lord will help us as we look at this particular subject Because you must understand something. God is wanting to take us deeper. In 2014, the leaders had a word that we were, it was going to be a year of strengthening. Arena Church was going to be strengthened. And so we've really sought to apply ourselves in laying in teaching that's just going to lay us strengthening in a variety of different ways. Do you feel strengthened over this year already? There's about five of you. I'll preach a lot better if you give me a better reaction. Do any of you feel strengthened By this year, there's a sense of strengthening, which is wonderful. And one of the areas that we really believe that God wants to strengthen it is in the area of prayer and fasting. Now, let me just ask you this evening, how many people have ever had or ever heard or sat under a series in church around the issue to do with fasting? Just raise your hand. So there's a few of you. There's a load of you that haven't, which is exactly as I thought it would be, because I have to confess I, have, I don't think I have sat under uh, any kind of series with regards to fasting. I've read a number of books around fasting, but I've never actually sat under teaching. And we really believe, the elders and the staff and the key guys in Arena Church, really believe that God is bringing us to a point where we're going to apply ourselves and we need to apply ourselves to the whole issue to do with fasting. I was intrigued by this, so what I actually did, I took it upon myself to... Just go on to Amazon. Anybody used Amazon on the internet? Yeah. Yeah. You're going to have to help me tonight because I really will preach a lot better. Otherwise, you're just going to go through. So has anybody ever used Amazon before? Just give me some. Great. And uh, on Amazon, you can get all kinds of things and you can find all kinds of information. And uh, what I did on Thursday, I came out of the offices excited, shouting to the staff. said, listen what I found here. Because on Amazon, I just did a search and I put Christian books. And on Christian books, there were, on the 15th of May, and it it's fluctuates even today, there were 193,000 Christian books that you could buy on Amazon. That's different titles, not just all different titles. 193,000 Christian book titles. So I thought, I'll do a little bit of check on this. So what we did, I don't know whether we've got the slide there, but um, I began to just think, well, I wonder what some of those books were written about. And so I looked, I just broke Christian books, faith. And it was there that there was 12,451 titles, different books that had been written around faith. I thought, that's, that's amazing. Then prayer, 12,000. Terrific. Giving, 1,166. It just starts to go downhill when we start to look at some of these things fasting. 129 different books out of 193,000 books. And then I thought, I'll go deeper than this. What about solitude? Now I know for some of you guys, you're thinking solitude, what's that? It means you're quiet. It means you approach God with a sense of quietness and Listen to me. It's something that I haven't done actually in the last few months. I said this this morning that I had, I haven't done it in the last few months and I really need to get back to. But it's something that I've done over many, many years in terms of finding. There's a, there's a convent that I go to and I just find in quietness, just coming to God. It's another spiritual practice that we must apply ourselves to. But then I thought, well, I'll put in there surrender. 84 titles around surrender. Let me just say, guys, to each and every one of you here, you know, this is the problem. You see, we think we can read books about faith and we'll live in faith, but actually it starts at surrender. If you want to live a life of faith, it starts at surrender. And I was absolutely flabbergasted by there was only 84 titles out of 193,000 books that were written specifically around surrender and yet what does jesus say jesus said if you want to follow me you have to what take up your cross and follow me if you want to gain a life you have to first of all what lose your life if i can be as bold as to say tonight this is the problem with the church certainly in the united kingdom because there is a lack of surrenderedness and why there's a lack of surrenderedness, because I can speak to it, is because there's a selfishness that arises in all of us. It's called Adam. am not talking about if you've got a son called Adam or, a, you know, it's the Adamic nature in us. Because we all have a bias to selfishness. Anybody know what I'm talking about tonight? There's a bias towards we want to be convenienced. We want to be pleasured. Everything's for me. Everything's for my pleasure. Everything's for my good. Everything's for me. I want it all on a plate. I said again to Phil last night that it was, it was a revelation that came to me late teens that actually the whole world didn't revolve around me. It was a real revelation that was. Anybody else come into that revelation? Some of you need to. The world doesn't revolve around you. It really doesn't. Actually, my commitment to follow Christ was not just a hand that goes up and my sins have been forgiven. And now I've got my ticket like Willy Wonka. I've got my golden ticket. I'm in heaven. No, this life is a life of surrender. This, this life is a life of giving everything to Jesus. Giving everything to Jesus. I really believe if we'll start there, then faith and all these kinds of wonderful things will begin to take place. And part of that journey of surrenderedness is even surrendering our appetites, our earthly appetites, unto the Lord. As I started to do a little bit of digging around this series, and the next couple of weeks, Phil's going to be sharing much more. I'm just going to headline it this evening. And he's going to really get into the crux of what fasting is and just give us some examples. But there's a guy by the name of Arthur Wallace. I asked Phil who he was, and he was almost classed as the father of the house church movement. He wrote this book in 1969, and kindly lent me the book. And he says this, How can we recover apostolic power while neglecting apostolic practice? How can we expect the power to flow if we do not prepare the channels? You may say, what are we talking about when we're talking about apostolic power? Well, let's go to the book of Acts And we see signs and wonders. We see churches planted. We see leaders arising. We see wonderful miracles. We see revivals in towns and cities and nations. That is what we're talking about. An apostolic power. And yet we want the apostolic power, but we neglect apostolic practices. And one of the apostolic practices was that of fasting. There is a call at this particular time, Arena Church. I know there's only a few of us. But there is a call for us to press into the heart of God. The stakes are so high. I'll come on to that in a moment. We sometimes can be so, so selfish. I'll just get it out there. So selfish in how we live our lives. We can be so self-absorbed that this church is all about me. So I didn't like the song number one. I wish Julie wouldn't sing that one because I don't really like that one. I'm not really sure about the lighting. We get caught up in the trivial. We get caught up in the nonsense. While people are going to a lossless eternity, we allow those things to, 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 to uh, uh, distinguish the fire that needs to be in our lives. God wants to light a fire in our hearts and in our lives. Are you hearing the passion of my heart, the cry of my heart? That God wants to do something more in us. And actually, what we're called to do is not fit in, we're called to stand out. That's part of the problem in the church. We've just wanted to fit in. everything's fitting in. Oh, no quiet, Julie. Don't get too excited. Because people stop talking about us. Don't do anything too crazy, Phil. Don't say that. Just play it normal. Don't do anything. Calm down. Calm down. You know that advert. What was it? That guy who's just died auntie now. Calm down, my dear. It's that kind of calm down. No, God is causing us in this hour. In this day, young people, for you to stand out. Yeah. Older people, yeah. chime in now, you know, to stand out. Yeah. Are you hearing me? Yeah. Yeah. To stand out, not to blend in. To stand out. And one of the things that will cause us to stand out is understanding. For some of us, it's the first time you're going to hear this. For some of you, I was talking to Paul. He said, as a young guy, I got involved in this. And then just not lost it, but not really been as engaged in it. Some of us are going to be like that. You're going to reconnect with this principle of of fasting again. I'm telling you, God's going to do something great. I really believe it's an Esther moment. It's for such a time as this. This is not just a good idea that we thought, oh, as elders, we'll just throw something together. I really believe it's born out of God. I believe it's a prophetic statement. I believe that the whole church will gather. This morning, we're a bit light in Ilkeston because of the weather and holidays and whatever. But there was a sense as those people were going on the door. They'd got it. People were catching it. They were entering into what God wanted to do in this particular hour, in this particular time, for us to fast and for us to pray. What I want to do, I want to look at two illustrations and I want to just take Nehemiah and I want to also take the story of Jehoshaphat found in 2 Chronicles in chapter 20. So if you want to find 2 Chronicles in chapter 20 first of all, and then we'll flick over in a moment to Nehemiah in chapter 1 because I want everybody to just nudge your neighbor next year. I want you to say ruins, crisis and danger. Just nudge your neighbor. Ruins, crisis and danger. They're not paying attention to you. So say it again to them. Ruins, crisis, and danger. You may say, Christian, what on earth are you going on about? Ruins, crisis, and danger. Well, we're going to see two stories where it had all that. It was like an episode of EastEnders and Coronation Street and Brookside all blended together. I don't even think Brookside's still going. That shows how far away I am from the soaps. But there was ruins, there was crisis, And there was danger. Listen to me now. Let me center it upon you before we get into the text. Because it might be that your life feels like it's been ruined. It may be that you are in crisis. Sure, on the outside, the veneer of your life looks, I'm fine. But inside, I'm internally in crisis. It might be that you feel full of fear, full of danger. Things are against you. Things that have come against you, they've not even dared to say to other people. Maybe be that you're on ten dogs, as soon as you lock your door, you, then you double lock it. Because you're in, you feel you're in danger. The Bible has a lot to say about ruins, crisis, and danger. So the application is not just in terms of a national context. Because as I look at the nation, I don't know about you, but I don't, I'm not filled with a, a, an awful amount of hope. I am in Christ, but in the natural, I'm not. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I get utterly depressed by the news. Caroline says, put the news down. I'm a bit like Phil. I'm a bit of a news junkie. I like reading the news, and then I'll reread it, reread it on my phone. So I'll read it in the morning, I'll read it in the afternoon, and then I'll go again in the evening just to see if something else has come up. Worst thing you can do is read the news late before you go to bed at night. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Ruins, crisis, danger. Even this morning in Ilkeston, there was a hit and run, I believe, on Station Road. Just hit and run. Somebody's life now is in crisis. Some family are in crisis. They're in ruins because of one decision. So it's very close to home. And the Bible has a lot to say about it. We're reading 2 Chronicles in chapter 20. We see the man by the name of Jehoshaphat. Let me just grab my Bible here. Because we see here in verse 1, it says this, after the Moabites and Ammonites with some of the Mayanites came to make war on Jehoshaphat. It was equivalent to Belgium, France and Germany coming together and invading us. And I know some of you understand there was a world war, you know, 50, 60 years ago and that's exactly what happened, one man arose. And there was a similar thing. Sometimes we can read the pages and we let it wash over us. But could you imagine the alarm this must have created for the king and the nation? And some men, verse 2, came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you. And verse 3, it says, alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. If you are in ruins, if you are in crisis, if you are in danger, the best thing you can do is inquire of the Lord. That's the best thing you can do. Talking specifically to Christians tonight, the best thing you can do is if you are under pressure, if you are in crisis, don't go running to your mom, don't go running to your dad, don't even go running to your husband. Talk to them. Don't go running to all these kinds of things books and everything else, Google, internet, whatever else. Inquire of the Lord. Again, it's a spiritual practice. we sometimes too quick. We get ill, and what do we do? We go straight to the doctor. I'm not opposed to doctors. I'm actually very pro-doctors, but how about praying? My kids are great for that because they bring me back to the childlike faith. When I can be very, very, oh, what do we need to do? You know, it's very much, well, we need to pray. It's wonderful. And Jehoshaphat inquired of the Lord. And then he proclaimed a fast for all. Jew, for for all Judah. We see there that there was crisis, there was danger, there was ruins. There was three armies that were coming. There were three nations that were coming to stand against the nation of Judah. And Jehoshaphat, who was in crisis, he saw this advancing army. And he resolved to seek the Lord. And he called a fast. And all the people came together and fasted. As a result of that one decision, I believe it created an incredible turnaround. Because then you'll have to read it for yourself. But as a result of that, as they came together, it then goes on in the following verses. That the Spirit of God came upon a prophet. And the prophet began to prophesy and began to say to them, Jehoshaphat, what you need to do is do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged because of the vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Just stand still. You're going to see the salvation of God. All you need to do is get those musicians rocking and rolling. Get the Julie Turners rocking and rolling. Send them out first. (laughs) Send them to these advanced armies. Send the musicians out. And as they begin to sing praises to God, as they begin to glorify God. It seems crazy, guys. How can we take a a, a town like Mansfield? But God comes with crazy schemes. He only comes with crazy schemes as we inquire of the Lord and as we fast before God. And God begins to speak to us. The Spirit of God comes upon the church. Begins to tell us some things. Begins to tell us the secrets, what he's seeing, some strategies of how this is going to happen. And this happened for Jehoshaphat, and we'll read, if you'll read it for yourself, as they began to do that. The armies were in absolute confusion, and guess what? If you've never read the story, they fought amongst themselves. They killed one another. I love what it says, though, in 2 Chronicles, just towards his end. Verse 25, two things I want to say to you. Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder, and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing, And also articles of value. More than they could take away. I was really struck by that. You see God has got so much more for us. But often we're trying to deploy natural schemes. To deal with something supernatural. We have to take the supernatural. If we're wanting a supernatural outcome. Does that make sense? We're often using strategies. Natural strategies. We need to take And hear what God is wanted to do. And then it says in verse 30, which I love. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace. For his God had given him rest on every side. You see, some of you are in ruins, in crisis, in danger. And you've been trying to work it out in the natural. And God's calling you to pray. God's calling you to fast. And as you begin to do these things, I'm really serious. Then God's going to give you peace. And he's going to give you rest. On every side. Let's look at the book of Nehemiah, shall we? Flick over a few pages to Nehemiah in chapter 1. Because again we read of a man who was in ruins. He was in crisis and he was in danger. And we see Nehemiah. And I like Nehemiah. Nehemiah is probably one of my favorite characters. Because he was an activist. He was a doer. He was a can-do kind of person. I loved his strategy. I loved the way that he went about things. But again, I was impacted as I read these verses again this week. In verse 2, sorry, in verse 3, it says of Nehemiah 1, they said to me, those who survived the exile back in the province, they're in great trouble and disgrace. The walls of Jerusalem are broken down and the gates have been burned with fire. Nehemiah in verse 4 says this, when I heard these things, I sat down and I wept for some days i mourned and fasted and prayed before the god of heaven if i can just be bold in saying this to us here tonight if we are not impacted by the news if we are not impacted by the state of the nation then we must get on our knees before god again for god to do something deep in our hearts because as i said earlier i don't take any in the natural i don't take any hope from where this nation is going. I am greatly distressed by some of the decisions that Westminster are presently making. Anybody know what I'm talking about tonight? I am presently distressed. I feel this nation is in crisis, is in great danger, and is, and is in ruins. I'm very, very perplexed by the decisions that the financiers of this nation and business leaders are making still around the financial climate around this nation. How can we continue to go deeper and deeper into debt and think that everything's going to be all right? It won't be. We are in crisis. We are in danger and we are in ruins. I'm not here as a prophet of doom. I'm just saying it it as it is. It's not a great place to be. You might be all right. You might say, well, Christian, I'm okay. I've just had a wage rise. Yeah, but what about for the other thousands who haven't seen a wage rise in years? How about for those people who are in crisis? Well, I'm all right because I've got my house paid off. That's wonderful you've got your house paid off. But it goes beyond just paying your house off. It's wider as Christian people. If we are not, as Nehemiah, brought to tears because of the state of the nation... I'm encouraging us here at Arena Church, unashamedly so, to say God needs to burn a passion in our hearts. Can I get an amen? God needs to burn a passion in our hearts for this nation and the nations of the world. I said the stakes are high. Let me just give you a few statistics. There are 13.5 million people in the United Kingdom living in poverty. There are 4 million children living in poverty. The divorce rate. I know some of you over here have been divorced. This is not a slant against people who have been divorced. But the reality is we know the effects that divorce can have on families. 118,000. Largest divorce rate in Europe. Teens who find themselves pregnant, 31,000. We have a prison population in 2011 at nearly 90,000. This is what I was really... Grabbed by this uh, uh, figure here. People in the UK addicted to drugs. 197,000 over 18s that we know about. Paul, as an ex-policeman, would know that actually what about the under 18s? And what about those who aren't registered? The figure is way higher than that. There are one million lonely people in the United Kingdom. You might be here today and of course you're in a bit of a crowd. But actually deep down you're lonely. You never get to talk to anybody. You feel like nobody cares, nobody's interested. These are some of the things that are happening. People in the UK with depression, one in 10 people, they say. People who self-harm, that they know about. 25,000 people that self-harm. If Joshua's here, he's one of them who's painting the town red in in Cyprus. He will know this more than me and some of the guys who work with him in in, in youth. They have more and more people now who self-harm. When I was youth pastoring, 20 years ago, it was like a new thing. I know you may say, well, go beyond that. But it was pretty new. There was one or two people who I knew were self-harming. Now it seems like there's just endless young people who are self-harming. Harming themselves because of how they see themselves. If we are not moved, church, then shame on us. And Nehemiah was moved to the point that he didn't just weep. He didn't just pray. But he sought the Lord in a fast there's a crucial verse for us to understand Matthew 9 verse 15 Jesus talks about because some uh, disciples challenge him Pharisees challenge him and say why is it that we're fasting and you're feasting and Jesus says to them there'll be a time come when I'm not here and then it will be the time for you to fast If I can be as bold as this, Jesus has been gone for 2,000 years. There are some nations, there are some churches who've taken this on board, but I still believe the UK church have not applied this principle. He is in heaven, but he is calling the church to fast. He is calling us at this time to fast. I'd love to unpack that verse a little bit more, but we haven't got the time. He's wanting us to fast and press in to the things of God. We see that there are corporate fasts like in Jehoshaphat. We see them with Esther and Joshua and Ezra as well as the leaders of the New Testament. There was a sense in which there was a calling upon the people to fast. As I am doing here on behalf of the elders and leaders, I'm calling the church. To a fast. I'll just towards the end give a little bit of practical information. What does this mean and what does this look like? Without stealing Phil's thunder over the next two weeks. But there's also a sense in which it becomes deeply personal. Because we are not just wanting to contend for the nation. And we're not just wanting to contend for the town. And we're not just wanting to contend for this area. But we're wanting to, to contend for you personally. Because there are some things that are happening in your life and in your world that, frankly, are alarming. I said this morning that I get wrecked by some of the stories, increasingly so, of some of the situations around the life of the church. People who are in ruin, who are in crisis, who are in danger. People who are sick. People who are hurting. People who are frustrated. People who live with disappointment. I wonder if you're one of those people. Because this fast is for you. And if you become sick and tired of the way that you're living, if you are sick and tired of the way that your family are being treated, then I want to encourage you to fast over this period. If you are really, really sick and tired, the same issues that are holding you back, then I really believe that it's not just for the corporate, it's also for the personal. You may say, well, Christian, I'm not spiritual enough to do this kind of fast. I mean, this is for Phil and for the guys who are just spiritual and it's just the way they are. No, 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 no. Well, you've got to be spiritually mature. No, that's the problem. We've made this a spiritual mature kind of practice. This is just basic like praying and reading the Bible. That's part of the problem. We've made it some, somewhere just out there for the deeply spiritual people. No, it's for everybody. I'll show you why. Two very quick personal illustrations. There's a lady found in 1 Samuel, chapter 1. Her name's Hannah. She wanted to be pregnant. It doesn't use the word fast, but it talks about her eating nothing. And she was before in the temple. And the, uh, Eli, the prophet, thought she was drunk, rebuked her, and then realized actually she wasn't. She says to him, I desire to be pregnant. and said, this time next year you'll be with child. As a result of hearing the word of the Lord... Because she'd been fasting. She'd been withdrawing from from food. It then goes on to say in one Samuel that she went and ate something. Who was Hannah? Please, I'm not demeaning the housewife. Because my wife, flipping out, she's got the most difficult job. I've got an easy job going out. My wife's got a tough job. But she was a housewife. That's what she was. She was a housewife. She was looking after her husband. She was taking care of the family. I know she didn't have kids, but you understand That's what she was. She was normal. Daniel, that we always cited this great man of God, and he was. But his job was, he was a civil servant. He was serving the king. That's what he was. He was working for the government. He was a government official. That's what he was. Don't get all too hung up. He was a government official. But the difference about him was, he applied himself to the things of God. And he undertook a 21-day fast. He undertook a fast. He pressed into the heart of God, both personally and for his people and for the nation. He was committed to seeking God. Don't think that this thing that we're talking about, this change, you know, for a fast and believing God is just for the spiritual people. It's not. It's for every single one of us. And what we're going to encourage you, I wonder if the guys would jump to their feet and just help me because we would just want to hand out a bit of information to you. And I'm going to just continue to talk for a few minutes. And then we're going to pray and we're going to conclude our time together because the time has now gone. But we've got a brochure that we've put together, a booklet that we've put together. I would like every one of you to take it, if you will. And as you take it, just keep looking at me. Don't look at the booklet, just keep looking at me. Because one of the things that we feel strongly is that we want intensity with normality. So what I'm talking about here is that I undertake this 21-day fast and I'm driving past McDonald's and whose car is in the car park? It's that Phil pie. that flipping cheeky monkey. And what makes matters worse is he's got a Big Mac meal on the table sharing at the side of him and they've got a McFlurry as well. Well, those wicked people. Here's me fasting and here's them doing their thing. Listen, we're not there as policemen. We're not there as big brother. What's good for Zelia may not be good for Julie. What's good for Julie is not good for Zelia. What we're encouraging is for us to all press in to fasting. We want intensity, but we want it to done with normality. Are you hearing me? So if Sandra, where's Sandra? If Sandra wants to have a Big Mac, Glenny, she's allowed to have one. All right, she's allowed to have one. (laughs) There are many fasts that we can undertake. There's there's an introduction page. I'd encourage you to read the page one and two written by Pastor uh, Jensen Franklin, who's just terrific uh, writer, preacher, pastor. And then just in the middle pages, I've already completed mine. It talks about a time to get it right, a commitment. I don't want you to do it now. This is yours. I'm not going to look at these things. But what I'd ask you to do is just really consider entering in as a corporate fast. I've already written down my reason for fasting. One of them are the 10 areas, collectively the elders put together, 10 areas that we knew we needed to fast and pray into. But there are also, for me, there are also some personal things that I'm believing God for. I then put the kind of fast that I'm going to do. And then I put a begin date and an end date. And then it says there, God is my first priority. Therefore, by faith, I am fasting because I want to put God first in my life and keep him first in my life. I commit myself to this fast and God's plans and purposes for my life. I've signed it and I've dated it. And the other thing which I've done, which I will be doing, I've already done it with one person, I'll be doing it with another two people, is I'm going to be sharing with them the kind of fast that I've entered into so they can just keep me accountable. And they can also... Encourage me. They can also encourage me on the journey. Just keep going, Christian. Keep pressing into the heart of God. Because I don't mind telling you one of the things that I've put down in there is I want a sensitivity and a deeper hunger for God. That's why I'm fasting. I want God to do something deeper in me like he's never done before. It may be that you take a fast of saying, well, I'm going to fast just a meal because for medical reasons or you know, because I have a manual job, I can't do any more than that. We get that. It may be, you so say, you're going to do a 21-day fast, Daniel fast. You're just going to have salads and vegetables. It may be, you want to do a full fast for one day, three days. However you want to approach it, that is completely up to you. What I would encourage you to do is not do nothing. I'd encourage you to do something before the Lord with this that we're putting out. And really believe that God will do something great amongst us. I had a guy this morning who said, Christian I, I'm, on, I'm on medication. And I'm going to really struggle even to miss a meal because of tablets and whatever. I said to this guy, I said listen, you've already heard me say we want intensity with, with normality. God understands that. But how about you committing yourself once you've had your meal to find in a place for half an hour, three times a day. Breakfast, lunch, an evening meal. And you get before God for half an hour. And you say, God, I am here. I, I'm, I'm in with this with the whole church as a fast. I'm in with it. I'm just going to commit myself in this half hour, in this hour, to hear from you and believe you for the breakthrough. He left me rejoicing, healed up because he didn't want to be under pressure. You can understand the kind of heart that we're trying to express to you guys. We want intensity without normality. This is not a cop-out either. I will finish with this. With some of you saying, because you may say, oh, that's got me off the hook. Listen, I believe that God is going to dig quite deep in some people's hearts. Say, look, this is what I want of you. Because you are able to fast. You are able to give a meal time. You are able to give a day. So let's not use that what I've just said before as a cop out. I believe the Lord will help us. I've said enough. I'd ask you to take that booklet away and really before God make your commitment and over the next two weeks what we are going to be asking is people to sign up to prayer times. So we're going to have some sheets and we're doing it over both campuses. We want this to be a one church deal. Wanting all the church in on this. Really believing certainly for some of the corporate stuff for a breakthrough. So next week we'll be rolling that out and Phil will be sharing a little bit more about the kinds of fasts that we're doing. I've said enough. Are you all got it? Yeah, Yeah, so I wonder if the guys had just come up and we're going to just conclude with a great song of worship.